Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, there is absolutely no place that I would rather be. Amen? If you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 and just put your finger there and hold that and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Matthew chapter 13, put a marker there and then turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And so here we are in week 5, the final week of I love this place, and one of the messages that I've been um, pounding home, and that is this, when we change the way we look at things, things will change. You know, so when we change the way we look at our church, our church all of a sudden changes and what it looks like and who is the church and what the church is supposed to do. When we change the way we look at our community, we find out that our community transforms into something that we didn't see before, we didn't understand was there. Then when we change the way we look at serving, we find out that um, it brings on a whole different meaning. And those of us who have been blessed to be able to serve others, you find out that the blessing is in the serving. And then last week I shared with you that uh, I love this place. and, And I hope that I was able to show you what the Bible says about giving. And this week I want, I'm excited to finish this series by talking about a change in the way that we look at sharing. So if you would uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, and I'm going to read verse 6, and it says this, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for the place that you have us in our lives. We thank you that uh, you are there with us each step of the way. And Lord, I ask that your message will be heard, that you would guide my tongue, my thoughts, and Lord, the hearts that hear this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, it's amazing human phenomena, and we tell ourselves that we can sow sparingly, but we can reap bountifully. We can sow a little and reap a lot. We can sow a minuscule amount and untold windows of heavens will be opened and poured out upon us. But you know what? If you look around as you you drive home, you're going to pass by some fields that farmers own. 
And, and none of those farmers believe that if they sow sparingly, they will reap bountifully. Those farmers believe that what they sow is what they're going to reap. And so in just a few, uh, if it hasn't already started in a few days or weeks, you're going to start seeing them plow up the ground and start putting seeds into the ground. And they don't put seeds in there because they're trying to hide them uh, for Easter. They're putting seeds there because at some point later on in the summer, and in the, there's going to be a harvest. And they want to have a bountiful harvest. Well, you know, Jesus tells us a similar story. In Matthew chapter 13, let me, I'm going to start reading in verse 3 and just read this this story that Jesus shared with his disciples and those that were surrounding him. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, and they had no depth of the soil. But when the sun rose, and they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And Jesus said, He who has ears, let him hear. Now, it's interesting that if you follow any people who are communicators, it's not hard to recognize the, the, probably the most prolific communicator that we know has walked on this earth was Jesus Christ. He had a way with words that no communicator before him nor after him has been able to experience. And so um, he taught in parables. And his disciples even asked the question, Jesus, why do you use parables? And so first let me tell you what a parable is. Most of you may know this, but it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And if you'll recall, Jesus finished up this story with those that have ears, let them hear. Now when he was saying those with ears, let them hear, he was not talking about these ears. He was talking about their heart. And he even goes into detail when the, the disciples ask him specifically about parables. And he says that um, we use this so that they will hear and understand. You know, um, when it comes to parables, we use words. We use words to create a story. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18 and verse 21, it says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. And so the, the reality is that we get to choose, are our words going to be words of life? Words that plant seeds in soil that one day will have a bountiful harvest? Or are they words that will result in death, harm, hurt? You know, and, and there's probably no, nothing more powerful when we use words than to use word pictures. Now, folks, I learned this the hard way, but... Um, our human brain doesn't think in, in words. It thinks in pictures. You know, so like if, if I pulled up your phone, there's little pictures on there, and each one of those pictures represents a different program. And if I say open up the program, there's a computer script that's probably 10 lines long, but you don't have to remember that computer script. You just have to remember the picture. Touch the picture. Why? Because that's the way human brains think. Well, you know, Jesus knew this way before Microsoft figured that out. And Jesus was using little pictures 
but he put them in stories. And so now, um, psychologists will call these word pictures. Well, I learned about word pictures. We were uh, going through some uh, training in, uh, back in uh, Tampa, Florida, and Gary Smalley introduced uh, me to the concept of word pictures. And so uh, my wife and I, over the years, have gotten much better at using word pictures to communicate to each other. Because sometimes I will say something, and, and obviously she didn't understand it. Or she will say something, and obviously I didn't understand it. And so uh, fast forward about 10 years since the time I learned about word pictures. And, and remember, words have the power of life, or they have the power of death. And I would, I'm here to argue that when we speak and we don't communicate in such a way that the person uh, that we're speaking to understands, we're probably closer to words that result in death than words that result in life. And so 10 years later, uh, uh, my wife pointed out something to me, and that was this. That, and and, and it, I couldn't believe this. Matter of fact, she, she made this statement. She goes, now I had a... I've, I've trained dogs. I love training dogs. I, I enjoy opportunity to do that. And, and so she had told me, she goes, you know, honey, sometimes you treat the dogs better than you treat me and Colin and Caleb. That, that, that was a word picture. And, and I really, I got offended. I said, you know, I'm telling, I didn't say this to Carrie at the time, but I'm telling myself, there is no, there is no way on this earth. Matter of fact, if that was a grown man that said that, I'd hurt him. I said, there is no way that I've ever done that to you or the boys. I said, Here, here's what I need you to do. Because I, I'm a slow learner. And, and I need it in the moment. All right? So I learned this as a dog trainer. If you could train them in the moment, dogs learn quickly. You know? But when you come home three hours after they soiled the carpet, you can't rub their nose. They, all they know is, why is he doing this to me? Well, I, I was kind of like that as a husband. And I needed in the moment correction. Word picture. And, and so I, I shared this with my wife. I said, I need you. Like, when this happens, I mean, as close to it as possible. She's like, I don't know about that. You don't do well. I said, honey, I'm, said, I'm giving you license that whatever you say, whatever you do, I give you the green light to do this. And so um, I, I still remember it. I walked in the back door of the house, and my wife is sitting at, at, in her kitchen. She's washing some dishes. She's looking out the window. And I said something to her, and she did not respond to me. Instead, she looked over her left shoulder, and she barked at me. She's like, rough. Now, immediately, I said, what are... And then I realized, I realized what she was trying to say to me. You just talked to me like I was a dog. I heard, and I understood. You know what I'm talking about? It changed our marriage. Because what she had told me a week or two weeks before, I said, there's no way possible. I found out that not only is it possible, but I just, I just did it. You know, this is why Jesus spoke in parables. It's because he was giving them word pictures. Like, 
we get frustrated when we're trying to communicate something, but the master communicator, he would take a story, and he would take something, a context that they understood, because they were an agricultural society, they understood the concept of sowing and reaping. They understood the concept of putting seeds out there. And so today, what I wanted to, to share with you is I wanted to bring up a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Sterling Dare. Sterling, if you'll come on up. Uh, you know, there, there's three reasons why I'm bringing Sterling up here today. And the first one is that Sterling is mission-minded. You know, of, of all the years that we've spent together and many times together, he has uh, been on many mission trips since then. And not only that, but in two weeks, he is going to be doing a, a gospel lesson on Easter to our Kids Quest. And then finally, uh, Sterling just has a passion for the gospel. So I'm just going to turn this over to you for a few seconds and minutes, I'm sorry, um, and let you share you with the people. You don't get an hour? Not an hour. <laughs> no, sir. I don't even get an hour. Good morning. Good morning. As Ron I met Ron when I was still in civil service, but I became a good friend, and he asked me, was I still doing uh, magic? And I want to make sure that you understand that God does miracles, I do magic. So just remember that. And we're talking about today about witnessing, so I thought I would have a little illustration here. Uh, this represents God. This represents us. We're not God. And we really need God because without God, we are doomed. And how do we, how does God reach us? He had, had a plan. He sent an ambassador. That's not quite right, is it? He sent the ambassador, Jesus Christ. And some 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered history and came over to us. Yeah, save all applause, that's okay. No, that's all right. Anyway, Jesus came to earth and he spread the good news. He says, behold, the gospel is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he did miracles to prove who he was. He said, I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when he did that, he was giving evidence that he was the Messiah. He was the Christ. But he was not even recognized in his own town. He said, a prophet is not without, with honor in his own hometown. And so the Pharisees hated him so much, and the Sadducees and the scribes, they took him, trumped up charges, took him to a hill called Golgotha, and they crucified him, and he died. But what's that song? Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He appeared to more than 500 people. Now then, why am I telling you this about witnessing? Well, if you don't know Christ, today's a really good time to do that. But if you, if you already know Christ, then we're talking about sharing that. And when he left, Jesus went back to heaven. He left the disciples here to be a remnant, to share the good news. Now then, I, there's a scripture that comes to my mind, and I think he's got this on the screen, but that's okay. Um, we, are, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We are clay. And sometimes that clay gets broken. That's when Jesus can pour out. And there's another verse that says, we are ambassadors for Christ. The ambassador came to make us ambassadors. What kind of ambassador am I? Not so good, but I'm trying. And we can grow every day. So if we can remember that we must have our testimony ready, and I don't know how much time I got left, but 
being on mission trips, there's a definite timeline of you to give your testimony. Two minutes. Because by the time it's translated into the language of Russia or wherever you're at, it takes about seven or eight minutes. And sometimes they tune out. And I'm talking to the choir here today, of course, but uh, two minutes, what my life was before Jesus, how I met Jesus, and what's my life afterwards. And that three steps, you need to get that message across. So I'll give you a brief testimony. Hopefully it'll be two minutes. If it runs into ten, you have my apologies. Uh, (laughs) uh, When I was a boy, eight years old, my father died. And I turned into a little rascal. I was... uh, uh, mean to my mom, I lied, I did all those things. But the greatest fear I had was of dying, and I think that part of me drove, drove me to be the way I was. I was just afraid to die. And that was really made an impact when my father died suddenly at eight years old. And then I m- met these twin boys. They were out in a farm, and they were the nicest guys. Two weeks later, there was a double drowning, they both died. And that just shocked me. I said, you know, life is pretty short. So instead of responding to God who was trying to reach out to me, I looked the other way and said, I'll just live for myself. I lived for myself when I joined the Air Force. When I joined the Air Force, I met this guy who was a con man. He was a pool shark. He liked to run little con games. And I knew he was not really a nice guy. We hung out together. That was my buddy. (laughs) So, uh, but one night I was in the barracks, and this guy came back in, and he was changed. He was quiet. He said, hi. You know, he didn't seem like he remembered him. But he went into a gospel presentation to me. He shared what his life was before Christ, how he met Christ, and how he was after. And he shared the illustration of the great gulf between us and the cross brings you over. And yet I still rejected that, but it had an amazing impact that if that could change him, why can't I change? But I was in England, and thinking you're a Christian is not the same thing as being a Christian. But I was in England, and I went on a mission trip, a, a revival. It was about revival. And there I met Jesus, and he crushed my spirit. I remember wrestling a a guy in high school, and he had me pinned in about three seconds. Well, Jesus pinned me right to the ground and said, you know, I'm here. And finally I reached out and said, God save me. And that fear of dying diminished greatly. And that's what I want to share to others. Did I keep that in two minutes? So that's that's a two-minute spiel there. Uh, But it is our, our story in two minutes. And if you have time to sit down with someone over coffee, you can do more than that. But I'm saying if you're just have to have a conversation. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your uh, service. And remember that I do tricks, but I don't do miracles, only God. Amen. Thank you. Bring your kids and your kids' friends in two weeks for Easter and let them see Pat up close and personal. So Jesus shares this story about the sower. And there's a couple things that I want to point out to you about this person. And number one, that it was a motivated sower. All right? And not only that, but this motivated sower had good seed. So what, what is the difference between a sower and a motivated sower? You're probably asking that very question, aren't you? And it's a good thing that I've thought about that. And I knew that you were going to ask that question. And, and here's, the, here's what makes a sower a motivated sower. Number one is that they're intentional about sowing. You know, um, Sterling's friend, when he came back to, to the barracks, was intentional about sowing, about telling, about sharing his story to Sterling. 
And in this case that Jesus is talking about a sower who is motivated, who is intentional. And not only are they, is the motivated sower intentional, but the motivated sower sows bountifully. You know, um, 2 Corinthians told us that if we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. If I was a sower and I sowed sparingly, would you think that I'm a motivated sower? And then you just go ahead and say, no, that's, that's not a motivated sower. Not only was this person that Jesus was talking about a motivated sower, but he was a sower of good seed. And here's what we need to understand is, no matter what we sow, that's what we're going to reap. So when we sow good seed, we're going to reap good results. When we sow not so good seed, we're going to get not so good results. When we sow bad seed, we're going to get bad results. And I have no doubt that all of us at one time or another, much as Sterling, we, we had a time in our life where we ran from the Lord and we decided to be a motivated sower, but we sowed things that we weren't so happy about. And any time you sow, there's always going to be a harvest. And so whether you are sowing in relationships, there's going to be a harvest one day. And if you're sowing good seed in your relationship, there's going to be good relationship harvest. If you're sowing reluctant seed into your relationships you're going to have a reluctant relationship and when you sow bad seed into relationships you're going to have bad relationships when you sow good seeds at work you're going to result in having a good harvest at work when you sow uh, ambivalence at work you're going to get a paycheck and when you sow bad things at work you're probably going to get fired when you invest for your retirement, if you invest good things, you're, it's probably going to grow. Um, if you don't invest at all, you won't have an investment or have an investment to count on once you retire. When you sow good things into your walk with Christ, it's going to result in a good relationship with Christ. When you sow little or bad things, you're going to have a very small or a very bad relationship with Christ. And as Jesus went on in verse 19 in Matthew chapter 13, he explains what each of these things were. And so first of all, he talks about some of the seed fell along the path. And here's how he explained it in verse 19. When anyone hears the word and the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, you understand that there's people who are hearing about the, the word of God, hearing about the gospel, and they don't understand it. Here's why. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Well, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just talk about what fell along the path. But Jesus goes on and, and he explains that some of the seed fell on rocky ground. And on the rocky ground, in verse 20, it says, And for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Boy, this is good. The word has some result in the response. Verse 21, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when the tribulation or persecution arises, now listen here, here's why the tribulation and persecution arises, on account of the word. Immediately he falls away. Folks, you are going to, if you are a motivated sower, and you share the message, if you share the story that God has put in your heart, some of it's going to fall on the path. And what's going to happen is the enemy, Satan himself, is going to snatch that from those people who you've shared that with. And if it doesn't fall on the path and get snatched by the enemy, some of it's going to fall on rocky ground. And on that rocky ground, it's not going to find enough um, soil. 
And when it grows up, this person is going to experience persecution and tribulations. Has anyone in here ever experienced persecution and tribulation? On account of the word of God? Yes, absolutely. Matter of fact, Jesus says, in because of my name, because you call yourself a Christ follower, people are going to hate you. People are going to revile you. And what happens today, we share this message, we share the good news, we share this good seed, and, it get, and it's received, but the persecution comes, the tribulation comes because of the word. Not because of what they're doing, not because of their past, but because of the word. Have you figured out that it's not the most popular time to be a Christian? Matter of fact, you know, we see um, on, in the mainstream news media on a regular basis where Christians are ridiculed and mocked for their beliefs. Folks, it's not going to get much better. And what happens is when we share this with those on the rocky ground, what, what happens is that they fall away. The sun comes up. Well, not only does it get on rocky ground, but it also falls down on thorns. In verse 22. So as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You see, what happens here is life. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker, Life Happens? Things are going along great, and then all of a sudden, you fill in the blank. They downsize at work. They zero-size at work. Your bank account gets zero-sized. What happens is the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. You know, Jesus told us that it's harder for a rich person to enter into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. You know, we need to listen up to that when we hear that because in America, while we may consider ourselves poor, by any standard across the world, we are wealthy. We are rich. And it's that very richness, that very wealth that God has blessed us with causes us to choke out the word, causes us to be less interested in sharing and sowing and giving our story away. And what happens at the end of the day, it's unfruitful. I mean, if you're a farmer and you planted a crop of corn and, you know, the stalks came up, but there was no ears of corn on there for them, that wouldn't be a very good harvest, would it? But you know what? That's exactly what Jesus, when he looks across the United States, he sees. He sees a bunch of Christians who have grown into the soil, but there is no fruit. But you know, it's not all a bad ending. Because some of the seed fell on good soil. In verse 23 it says this. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. Why did Jesus use parables? So that people could not just hear it, but understand it. Why does Sterling use magic? Not so much that you can hear it, but you can actually understand 
the story and the message that he just shared? Why do we share our story so that people can hear it and understand it? Now, um, it's easy for us as we drive down the road, we can tell what's the, the road, right? And you know if you throw seed out there on the road, what's probably going to happen to it all? Wind's going to blow it away. Birds are going to come grab it. It's, gonna, it's probably not going to grow a crop. We all would concede that, right? But are we supposed to sow there? The Bible says we, we should be a motivated sower. And we should be a, a bounce and we should just be throwing it out. I, I, I pulled up uh, the, about Johnny Appleseed. And I was listening. I got this song stuck in my head. I want to sing it for you. But it was about Johnny Appleseed and, and how that everywhere he would go, he would plant apple trees. And then the orchards would, would come up after wherever he had been, and then people were provided fruit. And so I can just picture Johnny Appleseed. I know he, uh, the pictures I saw, he was like digging a hole and putting it in there. But he's the good sower, and the good sower is just pulling handfuls, and he's telling the story everywhere he goes. If it's on the path, yep, I'm going to put it there. If it's on the rocky soil, you know what? I'm going to throw some there too. Why? Because I happen to be going over rocky soil. If it's around the thorny stuff, I'm going to throw that stuff. I'm going to put the good, the good news, the story everywhere. And you know what? It's going to fall into some good soil. What if I could point out the good soil to you? Let me share with you, as you leave here and you, you go around for the next week or two, you are going to run into people and you're going to find out that they have three knots. And, and here, if you hear them say any of these things, this is good soil and you need to share your story. If they tell you that life is not going well, this is somebody that you need to share your story with. You know, Sterling gave us a very pointed example. And in less than two minutes, you can tell about what your life was like before Jesus, how you met him, and what it's been like since then. You know, they can argue everything else, but they cannot argue your story. So when somebody, if you hear them say life's not going well, you need to stop. You need to say that's the Holy Spirit. Pastor Ronnie told me that. And you need to share your story because that person probably needs to hear your story. Well, you may, not, you may hear them say that they're not prepared for this. Fill in the blank. They're not prepared for this baby. They're not prepared for this time without a job. They're not prepared for this break in a relationship. When you hear those words come from somebody, you need to stop and you need to share your story. You need to invite them to church. Why? Because the soil is good. Or if you hear somebody say, I'm not attending church. Now, that sounds a different way. Most people don't lead with that. They may say other things, and it will lead you to the, the obvious conclusion that they're not attending church. That right there, my friends, is good soil. And good soil is where you want to throw some seeds on there. You want to be that bountiful, motivated sower and just dump the bag out on them. And the easiest thing to do is share your story. You can do it in two minutes and invite them to church. Or share what has happened to you recently. If there's a verse that keeps popping up and, 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 and you're just like, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. But when that person comes into your life with one of these three knots, life's not going well, they're not prepared for this, or they're not attending church, this is the person you need to be sharing that with. Because the soil is good, it's ready for you.
You know, I've been sharing with you the hashtag 165, and the premise is this, that there is 168 hours in every week, and the average one of us here at Temple Baptist, we spend about three hours here during the week. That means we have 165 hours where we're not sitting in a pew, not walking around these hallways, not doing some kind of work here at this church. And so what are we doing during those 165 hours? Well, I would challenge you that we still need to be the church. We still need to be invested in our community. We still need to be sharing. Matter of fact, our sharing probably should almost exclusively be happening outside of the church. A, because that's most of the time that we have. And B, because that's who needs to hear the story. And you're going to realize that there is good soil when, when trying to invite somebody to church twice a year. Anybody have any idea what those two times are? They are Easter and Christmas. That's right. You know, it's a joke in uh, religious circles. We call those C&E Christians. And that's because they come to church on Christmas and Easter. If you read the spring newsletter, uh, I shared with you that this right now is the time when more people are looking for a church. Matter of fact, Google Trends has demonstrated that more people Google the word church the three weeks before Easter than any other time all year long. So the big question is, who needs to hear your story? Well, you probably figured the answer out. It's Fran. Fran needs to hear your story. Anybody here know somebody named Fran? All right, that's one. But you know what? Everybody has a Fran because everyone has a friend. Anybody here have a friend? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. Don't, don't be. I'm a, does anybody here have a relative? Raise your hand. That's right. Does, how about an associate? Are you involved with somebody? There you go. These are easy. And now this might be hard. Some of you might live out in the boonies. But does anybody have a neighbor? So, so here's the reality that we, during our 165 hours, should be reaching out to Fran. Now, Fran might not be a young lady that lives next to you. It might be just somebody named Bill who happens to be a relative. It might be somebody named Sue who happens to be a friend. It may be somebody named Elizabeth who's an associate at work. Or it may be someone named Gertrude who happens to be your neighbor and the best neighbor you've ever had. And the reality that we need to take with us is this, that you never know when they need to hear your story. And you need to be ready to give your story at any time. Because here's what most of us, we want to be the perfect sower. And we want to make sure that this one seed gets put down into that ground and it's going to come forward as a plant. And it's going to have a bountiful harvest. But that's not the principle that we're told. We are told that if you sow bountifully, throw the seed out there, the seed is going to come back bountifully. And if you sow sparingly, one at a time, it's, you, you just don't know. You don't know who needs to hear your story. You don't know which friend it is. But I'll bet that the Holy Spirit's putting a name on your heart right now. You may not know which relative it is that you need to be reaching out to. But I I'm, I'm, would be remiss if I told you that that name that's popping in your head right now isn't from the Holy Spirit. You don't know who that work, co-worker is that needs to hear your story. And unless you bountifully spread that story around, they may not know that you're a Christian. 
And they may not know that you're the person who has the answer to the problem that they have. So let me leave you with two pieces of advice. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says this, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You may be having this very question in your mind. How do I engage my friends? How do I engage my relatives? How do I engage my associates and my neighbors? And I'm here to tell you that you need to take Colossians 4 and adopt that and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to touch your tongue because some of us have sharp tongues. And, and we do this with the best of intent. We do this with the best of reasons, but we have a way to be a mean Christian. And so I would encourage you that if you want your story to be heard, allow your words to be gracious. Get to know the person a little bit before you condemn them. Get to know the person a little bit before you invite them. Because, you know, they're probably going to get invited by a couple people to church for Easter. Because I'm not the only pastor telling their congregation that, you know what, this is the time of year. You want to bring someone to church? They're most likely going to come. 80% say that if they were invited by a friend, they'd go to church with them. Now's the time. The, the field, the, the soil is good for them to hear your story. But we need to season our tongue with grace. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to control and work through us. And then the second piece of advice I would give you is this. People don't need a reason not to come to church. They got that. They've got thousands of them and they use them. They used them this morning. They used them last week. And guess what? Next week, they're going to have another one. What they do need is a reason to come to church. And I'm here to share with you that you are the reason that they will come to church. But if we're, we sow sparingly, when it comes to inviting someone to church, we'll reap sparingly. When we sow sparingly, when it comes to sharing our testimony, our story, we will reap sparingly. When we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. You know, this is the place that God has us. God has brought us very specifically to a point in our, our, our life where he's encouraging us to share. And here's what I would tell you is keep sowing bountifully. Be the motivated sower. Don't be the picky one. Don't be the perfectionist sower. Be a motivated sower and spread lots of seed. Allow the word to get out there because you just never know. Came across this picture of a tree growing up through a truck. How'd that, how'd that, that seed that became that tree get, get there? I don't know. You know what? That's exactly what I thought about. And then I thought about that. Do you mean that I could tell my story to somebody and the words get, that, that go before them, the, the enemy comes and he grabs it and he flies off with it and he drops it in this truck. And 20 years later, this is what's there. I'm here to tell you, yes. Don't be the stingy sower. Be a bountiful sower. Throw the seed everywhere. I know it's not going to grow on that road, but you know what? I've been down some roads where it was. I've, I've seen the back of pickup trucks where there was more grass there than in the yard. 
Don't be the Holy Spirit. All you need to do is be faithful. Be the ambassador and represent Jesus Christ. And when, when Jesus brings someone across your path, share your story. And do it the way Colossians 4 says, be gracious about it. If I were you, I would, I would follow Jesus' pattern, and I would find out something that you have in common with them. Start there, and then you'll probably end up with the gospel. But here's what's interesting. We don't know where in the path that they are when it comes to them meeting Jesus and, it's, and, and having that relationship with Jesus. And so that's why we have to be the motivated sower. That's why we have to use the good seed and throw it everywhere. Because you don't know if that seed, how many years did it sit dormant in that truck before it fell to the ground? I don't know, but it did. And then how many, how long before it started growing? I mean, how would you like to own that? I mean, that, that's a great picture opportunity. But that truck's worthless, isn't it? But you know what? There's a tree that's putting some fruit out. And I'll bet you there's a hundred trees because of that one tree right there. You know, that's what Jesus said. He said that some seed is going to fall on the good soil. And, and the problem is that when we think of good soil, we think of this farmer's field out here. We think that it's plowed up. And we think of all, but I'm telling you that the good soil may look, be in the back of a pickup truck, in the middle of a field that nobody remembers. And then one day they're driving by and they're like, what in the world kind of truck is that? But it was because somebody spread the seed. And, and the seed that the devil took and ran with it and ran off with it fell on good soil. Folks, don't be afraid to share your story. That's all you have. And, and more importantly, that's all you need. Because Jesus is real. Jesus came down from heaven, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, was rejected by men. Those who were looking for him rejected him. And today, he sits at the right hand of the Father after being crucified and rising from the dead. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.